You're in the water loop. Waterloop is made possible in part by grants from Springpoint Partners and the Walton Family Foundation. Waterloop. Hey, this is Travis with Waterloop. I want to tell you a story about High Sierra Showerheads, who I'm proud to have as a sponsor of this podcast, particularly because they make incredibly water-efficient showerheads. I've talked with owner David Malcolm about growing up in California, learning about the importance of water and energy efficiency from his father. David has been designing high-efficiency nozzles for agriculture and golf courses for the past 30 years. The golf course people actually came to him wanting a nozzle that produced a uniform spray but was water efficient. So David went in and designed a nozzle that explodes a low-pressure stream of water into a shower of large, powerful droplets. David actually thought, this would make a great showerhead. And that's how High Sierra Showerheads was born. And nobody has their nozzle technology. It's patented, and you get a great shower while saving water. Use promo code LOOP20 for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Excited for this episode to be talking about a body of water here where I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, Greenfield Lake. But this body of water, what the, the water quality problems that it has, uh, the challenges, and I think the solutions are shared by many water bodies across the country. I have three guests here with me for this episode. I have uh, Mike Mallon. He is research professor at the Center for Marine Sciences at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Mike, I'm glad you could join the podcast. Happy to be here. I have Dana Sargent, Executive Director of Cape Fear River Watch. Dana, glad to have you as well. Thanks for having me. And I have Fred Royal, Stormwater Services Manager with the City of Wilmington. Fred, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Glad to be here on a beautiful Friday. So obviously a lot of people listening to this aren't familiar with Greenfield Lake. Uh, But Mike, could you describe Greenfield Lake? Sure. Um, Greenfield Lake, it's not a natural lake. It's an impoundment, and um, it was first uh, filled in uh, 1750, and then uh, it was made a public park in uh, 1925. Uh, The first uh, professional paper written about Greenfield Lake was, I think, was in 1908, uh, when uh, a researcher was looking for uh, some of the rare and endangered organisms and, and found uh, some of these in Greenfield Lake, some of these snails. But uh, what's interesting is at that time in 1908, the lake was described as spring fed and as unpolluted waters and lying a mile and a half south of the city of Wilmington. Well, since that time, the uh, the city of Wilmington has gone and wrapped itself all around Greenfield Lake. So it's uh, the, the shorelines and the watersheds of Greenfield Lake are one of the most highly developed in the city of Wilmington. So uh, what's happened here is something that has happened probably to numerous lakes uh, throughout North America, is that the the development has led to uh, increased nutrient pollution, increased fecal bacteria pollution, and uh, finally, a few years ago, this lake was placed on the state's uh, 303D list for impaired waters. 
So what comes down to it is that we, as uh, the community, have to decide what to do to rectify uh, this problem. And we got a good start on it a few years ago. Uh, one of my former graduate students, Nick Ariola, did a study of the, the five incoming streams to the lake, trying to determine which ones carried the most nitrogen and phosphorus into the lake. And uh, as such, uh, we narrowed it down to two, two major ones. What, what's going on next is we have to, uh, well, we're in the process of developing a plan to reduce the nutrients. Uh, what we have, the situation in the lake right now is that every summer we have these massive blue-green algal blooms. And uh, occasionally those are accompanied by fish kills and certainly um, unsightly and, and so on. And as I mentioned, we also have a problem with elevated fecal bacteria counts in the lake. And uh, this, is, uh, this result is very common from uh, all the... Uh, the built-up area, as we like to call it, impervious surface area in the watershed. So what happens there is that uh, whenever it rains, all of the pollutants, fertilizers, animal waste, and what have you, end up washing down into the lake. And the lake is not a well-flushed lake. There is an outlet that goes to the Cape Fear River, but the nutrients go in there and sit, uh, got plenty of sunlight, and thus we have these massive algal blooms. So we could say Greenfield Lake is too green, right? <laughs> with, the, with those algal well blooms and the, the okay. nutrients. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a cool place. I mean, it's one of my favorite places to go in the area here. Uh, it's got like almost a five-mile path around it. You've got all the the trees and the, the Spanish moss. And uh, you, there's some alligators you can see. And uh, people even take the little pedal boats out on the water. And so it's an awesome, uh, even though it's got the city all around it, that's one of the things that's great. It's an awesome amenity for the city. Um, and that's, I think, a big part of the driver to try to clean it up, right? Um, I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the maybe the water quality problems or what's causing this, uh, maybe from the perspective of, of Fred as, you know, a stormwater manager. Certainly. Um, so stormwater services for the city, uh, we have two primary um, focal points. One is uh, to reduce um, pollutants that flow into water bodies throughout the city. And this primarily means um, non-point source uh, flow of stormwater runoff, which means everywhere except sewer pipes, essentially. And it's a huge challenge the, with a higher development, uh, higher density, and higher, higher land use um, issues. So uh, ways we can get uh, to try to mitigate that and go in the other direction are creating a green infrastructure, uh, protecting more green infrastructure, creating more green infrastructure. That um, removes nitrogen and phosphorus that I spoke about very well. It also reduces volume that runs off of uh, paved surfaces, etc. So Greenfield Lake um, is a challenge, but uh, it's something uh, we're, we're looking at very strongly. Uh, we have many watersheds in Wilmington, and we're looking at each one individually for its specific need and the land uses in that watershed and how we can make changes um, systematically. Um, the other issue we deal with a lot is flooding. And, you know, that's a huge issue. Uh, here we are in eastern North Carolina. We have tropical storms and we have a lot of rainfall. So we have to balance as much as possible flooding issues with water quality issues 
flooding issues typically mean we um, are modeling and replacing uh, antiquated drainage infrastructure, uh, pipes, channels, what have you. Uh, they have to be larger and more uh, efficient. And that by uh, default sort of does not help water quality. So we have to also take into water quality, take water quality into, into our minds when we're looking at design alternatives. And we've got some very exciting capital projects uh, designed now that I'm looking forward to uh, working with through construction to do the, that very thing. The, the idea to try to address these problems in Greenfield Lake, you just talked about getting everyone involved in projects. And that's what's happened here with Greenfield Lake and Wilmington is, is there's a real collaborative effort uh, with a lot of different parties to try to improve the water quality, to address that nutrient pollution. Um, how, did it, how did it end up that there are so many different parties involved in this effort? How did that collaboration come about? Like you mentioned, Greenfield Lake is a gem uh, in our community. And we are so lucky to have this. It's an urban lake. It's the ecology there is amazing. And it provides an opportunity for folks that might otherwise not be able to get into the environment to walk over to the park and wander around and also, you know, hop on a pedal board. Those are actually managed uh, through a partnership that Cape for River Watch holds with the city of Wilmington. So we manage that boathouse and encourage, you know, anyone listening to, to head over there and get on one of those boats and, and, and check out the alligators and the amazing birds that are flying all over Greenfield Lake. Uh, a key aspect of our mission is to help people get out into the environment because we know that when people get out into the environment, they want to help to make sure that it is protected. And I think the partners here are all groups and representatives of groups that understand the importance of that. Um, the city of Wilmington obviously um, is a, you know, a huge supporter in understanding that, that our region is just a gem of biodiversity and our water is our life here um, in the Cape Fear region. So they're huge supporters. Uh, UNCW, uh, Mike Mallon and, and, and his team have been doing water quality sampling for years. I don't think there's anybody who knows more about the nutrient issues of our water bodies than, than, than Mike Mallon. So I'm just extremely grateful for, for these guys to be on this team. Kiefer Riverwatch actually kind of compiled the team, but it was under the direction of, of Mike Mallon and, and his partner, Larry Cahoon, um, to really get this to get this party started. Um, so, so they did that and then I pulled in um, you know, a couple other folks. We have an amazing engineering team uh, called Moffat and Nickel uh, that are also part of this effort. And all of these groups are represented by people that we know we are so grateful to have such a, like a tight community of people that really respect the environment here. Uh, I'm just excited that we all got together to work on this project. Yeah, well let's let's dive into the actual projects themselves and what the solutions are, what's being done to address that that nutrient pollution and other runoff. So, yeah, what's what's the approach? What what has happened? What is happening? What's going to happen? As Dana uh, put it so nicely, uh, my laboratory has been sampling Greenfield Lake for many many years, so we have a very intimate knowledge of it. And as part of the the project that's ongoing right now. Um, my particular team is sampling the surface waters that are coming in 
and uh, hopefully uh, when uh, the engineering uh, solutions are done, those surface waters will be uh, much cleaner. Uh, a colleague, Dr. Cahoon, Larry Cahoon, uh, his group is sampling the sediments of the uh, lake and of the incoming streams and of the, uh, the surrounding wetlands and wet detention ponds. And uh, what we're looking for there is the nutrients that are stored in the sediments. And we're looking for these microbial processes. The, the key one here is denitrification. Uh, what that means is the, uh, the polluting nutrients that run into the water, generally in the form of nitrate or ammonia, when they're in excess, you want to get them out, okay? And this process of denitrification, it's done by bacteria, and it's done uh, within, uh, the, around the roots and rhizomes of wetland plants. The nitrate comes in there, the bacteria turn it over, it turn it into nitrogen gas, which is harmless. It's part of our atmosphere. Boom, goes up, goes out of the system. So we're trying to encourage, the, the goal would be to try to, to first figure out how much uh, denitrification is going on and these, these branches coming into the lake and then figure out how we can encourage this either by retaining the water longer in, in nearby wetlands or selectively planting proper aquatic vegetation. So we're doing this and um, these, these are based on uh, research that's been done elsewhere, the US and Canada and, and other locations. Hmm. Interesting. Um, other, other folks wanna talk about the work that's underway and, and what the projects are gonna be, these solutions, Fred? Yeah, so the, the one project uh, that is going on now, existing wet pond owned by the city into um, essentially a wetland, uh, we will incorporate more um, shallow shelf areas for vegetation to be planted just to do that job of denitrification and to settle out solids. Um, and that's in one of the two tributaries um, that, that Mike mentioned earlier that goes into Greenfield Lake. Um, the city has a number of wet ponds that have been built over many years that are public, that are the responsibility of the city. And one of my um, goals is to, con is to look at these wet ponds and look at converting some of them into uh, constructed wetlands for this exact same purpose. Um, the wet ponds tend to uh, fill with sediment and they tend to become um, almost anoxic, you know, low oxygen in the summer, and they actually become dangerous and a public health hazard, which we've had a couple summers ago. So that, that's one of my goals over the next several years, just from the city's stormwater pond uh, management side. Yeah, an important an important PSA here to, uh, you know, a lot of these algae blooms can have actually be toxic, right? And uh, have what, microcystin and cylindrosporopsin? I always struggle with that second one <laughs> um, in there. And I know that people's pets, especially dogs, can be really vulnerable, vulnerable to that. So, you know. Keep keep your pets, keep your dogs out of these type of, of ponds in the communities, and you know, unless you really know otherwise. Um, I think maybe Dana, you wanted to add something about the the projects underway. 
Yeah, because, um, you know, we didn't mention another partner that's not represented here on this call, which is NC State. And part of our project that we're working on with them, um, with this project, includes um, their work to to um, take a look at a, a type of medium that has the potential to remove the dangerous nutrients that, that Dr. Mallon was talking about. So they're doing a test of that. Um, at a, in a, a nearby um, pond, and um, all indications from the the previous research research that has been done on this type of medium indicates that it it will do the job. So we're really excited to see um, the results of their of their sampling. And then once that's complete, we'll hope to to install this medium into the areas that are um, penetrating the the Greenville Lake. You know, this being such a collaborative effort, what are, what's the benefit of having so many different entities involved in a restoration project like this? Universities, you know, a city, uh, environmental group, uh, an engineering firm. What's what's the value of when you're going to restore a water body having such a diverse group of people involved? And so, something I could I could add right here is that. Um, as, as far as these these disparate groups that are that have come together here, uh, we all have had uh, previous ties together. Uh, like uh, UNCW, of course, has been working with the city and uh, with River Watch for a long time. Um, we have a collaborator, as Dana said, with NC State, and uh, our private engineering partner Moffat and Nickel. Uh, their local uh, representatives are either graduates of UNCW or, or, or NC State. So uh, we do have longstanding ties together and uh, that makes it work uh, much more smoothly. We kind of, we kind of know where uh, each other is at on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, we also benefit, I mean, not only from the expertise of these, these folks, these gentlemen here who, you know, are just, um, you know, when they start talking about the, the, stormwater management, my eyes sort of glaze over. It's not my skill. Uh, and these guys know this stuff like the back of their hands. But then we have Riverwatch who has the capacity to provide outreach and education and an understanding to the general population of, of what this work is. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really kind of hoping that after, you know, this project, we're going to continue to do obviously many more projects um, on, on water quality um, in this lake, and you know, we are ongoing doing other projects in other urban streams, and we have the capacity to kind of just say, "Hey, look at this! Look at what we can do um, if we just get together and and put our minds together and 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 put our resources together. Look at what can come of it." I'll, I'll just add that uh, Stormwater Services basically uh, counts on these relationships to continue. Um, the water quality sampling data and the expertise from uh, UNCW and all of the outreach and education from a Cape Fear River Watch and others, uh, you know, we could not do this as a, as, as a city government alone. Even if we staffed up, it, it just, it, it's too broad and a complicated and complex matter that you have to get in all aspects of human life and human activities to get the message out and to do the proper work and research. Um, my, uh, my hope is we can continue to do this and broaden our reach to other 
groups, citizens, uh, even homeowners associations, et cetera. Because mm-hmm. um, without this full collaborative effort, it would be really difficult for um, you know a city government to handle on its own by a long shot. Sure. Yeah. It's obviously every partner here brings their own skill set or specialty to this that makes it all happen. So we've talked about how, you know, nutrient pollution of a lake or another kind of water body is a very common problem across the country, around the world, really. Um, if a community has a lake and a water body that is, has this problem and they want to pursue some type of solution, some type of collaboration. How could they get started with that? I think that the, the first thing you got to begin with is uh, is understanding the problem. Uh, and uh, if if you have a, a lake, a community, um, which you have, uh, say, eutrophic waters, very very green from the algae, people will look at it and say, "Well, that looks ugly," and so on. But uh, they might not understand that that uh, that could also harbor the toxins that uh, that uh, you guys were talking about a, a few minutes ago. The algal toxins uh, that could also harbor uh, the fecal bacteria from the pet waste and, and what have you. And um, so you have to have first of all some scientific expertise to sample the, the waters, tell you what you're facing first of all, and then um, some research to tell you. Uh, where is the pollution coming from? Is it just washing in on the shores of the lake? Is it coming from specific streams? Sometimes some of this stuff is airborne, depending on where you're living. So you need to get that nailed down. Once you get that nailed down, then um, you can you can start with a a a, a, a outreach campaign, which is what uh, uh, Riverwatch is very good at, and then um, you uh, then take a, get a collaborative plan together work with the local government as well as whoever it is that's that's uh owns the lake if it's a home homeowners association or if it's if it's part of a city or part of a town and work with them then determine um what your next approach is going to be how to rectify this problem how to reduce all these materials running into the lake and hopefully make it cleaner in the future well, it makes sense that the uh, the research professor identifies needing science bef- as your first step, right? <laughs> no, no, no. Understand the problem from a scientific perspective, uh, and then and then take it from there. Um, yeah, I completely agree with Dr. Mallon that um, you know research is is definitely key. You got to figure out what the problem is, but from the public outreach sort of standpoint, um, I always say that education of the public needs to come absolutely first. You can't have anybody being active and becoming activists in terms of protecting the environment unless they they understand what's happening and they understand what's at stake. And so I think we've got we've got both things here um, unfortunately working in our favor. We have a, a problem with the lake, but we also have this beautiful um, ecological gem that our community has come to love and has come to understand that they want to protect. So, so I appreciate you giving us this opportunity um, and for you highlighting these types of things because education is key uh, to get people active. Absolutely. Fred? Uh, Land use planning on a watershed scale, even a small watershed scale is critical to this conversation. 
Uh, Greenfield Lake is uh, watersheds are what are built out, if you will. There's, there's not a whole lot of uh, raw land that uh, can be looked at for assisting with the watershed quality. So it becomes a, a, a retrofit type of a scenario to, to put it everything in reverse to the extent possible. So I guess my point is um, from a city government stand, standpoint, um, land use planning is critical. Uh, even individual development site design is extremely critical to not uh, add to uh, the issue that's already occurring. I, I thank the three of you so much for your time and for the information. Um, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a big fan of Greenfield Lake. <laughs> I spend a lot of time uh, riding my bike around there and walking around there and taking my kids there. So I'm looking forward to following uh, the work and following the progress in water quality in that lake. And I, like I said, I wanted to have this conversation because I it's a common problem in in towns and cities uh, across the country. So thank all three of you very much. It's fun to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Waterloop, 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 Waterloop. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode. A special thanks to Waterloop supporters, Springpoint Partners, and the Walton Family Foundation. The Waterloop Podcast is sponsored by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart, stylish way to save energy, water, and money while enjoying a powerful shower. Save 20% with promo code WATERLOOP at HighSierraShowerheads.com. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.